30 seconds, reality as you know it will cease to exist. In its place, you will find a new dimension, identical to the one you've left behind, only slightly better. Take a deep breath and open your mind to the magic within you. This is no ordinary podcast. This podcast is with Richard How are you? No, really. How are you? We ask and are asked this seemingly innocuous question countless times a day. It forms the opening salvo of tedious small talk, casual pleasantries aimed at discussing anything but the true answer to this inquiry. And when we're asked, we say, good, great, busy, fine, eh, I'm all right, and let these surface-level labels obscure whatever we're really feeling, whatever our actual state of internal affairs is, whatever we're currently calling this strange and unbelievable subjective experience of human consciousness we're struggling to make sense of. Five years ago, Ulrich Ugin decided to ask this question in a new way. Inspired by his own experiences receiving kindness from strangers while traveling in his native Turkey, he began posting flyers around the East Village of New York City featuring a large photo of his face and the words, How are you? No, really. How are you? And he invited whoever was reading the flyer to come to his apartment and talk to him in person about their answer. Ulich credits these conversations with an incredible shift in how he saw himself and his own relationship to the world around him. It changed his own answer to the question, how are you? And today, Ulich joins our ritual to talk, to chat, and to teach us how to talk to strangers. Hello, Ulich. Welcome to Ritual Space. Hey, Devin. Do I see the magic word now? That now is a great time for the magic word. Moronic. Moronic. Okay, so one, two, three. Moronic. moronic. Why moronic? I'm not sure. It's just that's the first thing that came through me when you told me to come up with a magical word. And uh, even though it, it, it means something bad, it's mm-hmm. referring to a stupid ignorant person there is something funny about moronic as well something lovable you know like like a really dumb comedy film that it's like it's so stupid and yet you're like it's likable it's hilarious yeah it's likable yeah i always like in cartoons when uh uh, what is it i think daffy duck says what a maroon i don't know what the historical is that what daffy duck says yeah he goes what a maroon who's the one that is that's donald duck that's donald duck yeah that's his his brother from another media conglomerate i'm curious you know now that we're talking about um daffy duck uh, what's that collar that he wears around his neck have you ever was that like i assume he was a priest really (laughs) that's what i thought interesting I don't know. That's a great question. Would you like to get officiated by uh, a Donald Duck um, lookalike for for your wedding between yourself and Lisa? Mm. I don't think we've considered that as an option. (laughs) I feel like it's one of those things that you'd have to go full blown with the the giant Disneyland style like stuffed mascot costume. And then that's a weird vibe. You think so? Yeah. You don't think it would fit, fit with the wizard thing? 
we could just go just you know full just crazy town and just yeah. you know our whole wedding party is going to look like a new yorker cartoon sure. with just all kinds of different weirdos well i'll tell you this man as long as i'm invited i'll, I'll fit in with whatever theme that you guys decide to go for i will um blend myself in to that so you're, that's a deal you're a good can bl- i get a pound you're a good blender <laughs> i it's funny you mentioned because i i was i just threw away my old blender today to uh to invest in a nutribullet oh yeah so today's the start of a whole new life well, I haven't ordered a Nutribullet yet, so I just got rid of the old blender. Okay. So right now, the idea of the future, what's to come in the future, mm-hmm. has been implanted or planted. <laughs> you've, you've created the empty space for possibility to grow up from. Exactly. Gotcha. Um, I guess I could put in the Amazon order today, but it would probably arrive by the time I'm in Turkey. Mm-hmm. And then my roommate would have to pick up the package, and I don't want to have him exert any more effort. Then, uh, then he works six days a week. Yeah, and I work like much little compared mm. to him. So, um, so I don't want to exhaust him. Yeah, does that make sense? Absolutely. No, you don't want to put your roommates out. That's no, especially when you're doing what you're doing with your apartment. I think you want to keep. What am I doing with my apartment? That's then? what we're here to talk about, my <laughs> friend. What are you doing yeah. with your apartment? Uh, that that's actually such a wonderful way of asking that question. What are you doing with your apartment? Um, I'm, I'm, I have an open door policy. I like, I want to invite the entire world into my home. Um, for a long time, I struggled with making friends, uh, uh, being a likable person. So the fact that I'm in such a place right now at the tender age of 30, Mm -hmm. that where people are not only showing up to my apartment by the dozens, but also, um, financially supporting me at the same time it's um humbling is not even the right word it's almost like magic moronic magic (laughs) moronic magic (laughs) so can you tell me about a little bit about before when you said that you weren't likable or weren't connecting with people were you quiet and shy or were you a little bit intense and off-putting where what was yeah i think so man i was I was just that right combination of like a uh, pretentious music nerd, uh, um, uh, narcissistic, not very self-aware, right? The combination of all these things just made me not a very likable person, even though I so desperately just want to connect with people, wanted to like belong somewhere. Um, it, it took me, probably, I'll be honest with you, man, it's probably only in the last year and a half that I that I came around and and I had a magic moment that happened on the dance floor. I started Ooh, dancing. Okay. And uh and I started to talk to God on like through my body. Yeah. And um and I'll just say this the nightclub Nublu in the East Village saved my life. So that was a big transformation for me and now I'm I don't want to make a grandiose statement but I'm finally the person that I've always wanted to be in my life oh good you better not change i hope not just stay as you are but that's part of the thing man you have to be willing to let things change and adapt and evolve yeah yeah so when have you evolved when was the last time you evolved oh i evolved all the time this summer i've been evolving i'm evolving oh yeah if you could go back to the devon uh on on 30th of may right before the start of uh summer oh yeah now we're at the end of summer right that's a different devon that's a different Devin. Yeah, yeah. I had a different job. I had a different plan for the future. That was a totally different me. Would you have given him a kiss on the cheek? 
I would have given a little pat on the bottom and I would say just a little bit long, just a little bit more. I see. Just just keep going. Do you do that to your friends too when you want to give them a bolster of uh, encouragement? I wish I did it more. I mean, consent is very important, but I, I think I think intimate contact between friends is very valuable. So going back in your journey of, of being an unlikable creep, you were, yeah. you were, <laughs> you, I think, I think it's a common mistake that yeah. I, I feel like you touched on where it's that desire to impress ends up being alienating of like, let me show you how great my music taste is rather than connecting with somebody else's. Is that sort of what you were saying? One more time. Sure. So I think there's a common mistake people make where they want to make friends and they're like, I should impress these people by showing off how much I know about this thing or correcting their misinformation about this. And they think that they're generating value when really it's totally, totally off-putting and everyone's like... 100%. 100%. I thought that in in college, I had to listen to as many music bands, as many new groups as possible so that I could connect with as many people, not realizing that that, uh, plethora of knowledge that I had gained was actually making me come across as more nose up in the air Mm -hmm. than how I intended to come across. I wanted to connect, but... Uh, conversely, I did the exact opposite, which was to drive people away because I was too, uh, too, you know, too Mister Know It All and I full. I mean, you were you were full of all this knowledge that was spilling out of you. When I think often it's more mm-hmm. valuable to create that emptiness yeah. of what are you into? What have you been yeah. listening to? Tell me about what you like. Well, I'll tell you, man. I, I also found it that like in in college, I was also getting really into like Ethiopian music and uh, like Portuguese music. I love bossa nova, mm-hmm. and I'll I'll never forget, you know. I think it was the first time that I hopped in a taxi in New York City and my uh, cab driver was an Ethiopian guy. So I said, you know, Mahmoud Ahmed and yeah. Mahmoud Ahmed, he's like the like one of the top like Ethiopian guys. And he yeah. turned and he's like, you know, Mahmoud Ahmed. Yeah. And boom, right there. We 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 started having a connection. So sometimes actually music can be a beautiful facilit- facilitator for for connection. Um, I think it works better when you connect on international bands rather than just like little known indie rock bands, if that makes sense. Well, I think it's gotten so hard where even with people that I would consider close friends, like we're all in our little Spotify rabbit hole. So I don't know if anything that you're listening to is going to connect with anything that I'm listening to. And that question of like, what kind of music do you like? I'm always trying to calibrate my answer to what I think is going to resonate with that person. And at this point I'm like, I don't know. Like, yeah, (laughs) you know, 22 year old office manager. Like, do you like dubstep? I don't, I don't know. Like what, what are you into? are you asking me? Is that a... Um, we can talk about music. Yeah. What are you into? I'm, I'm more curious about what your username is on Spotify. Oh, I think it's just my name. I think it's just Devin, Devin Person. Person. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, was the person the name that you bestowed upon yourself? Uh-huh. I, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I went through... Do you know the uh, the music venue City Winery? Yeah. It actually just closed down a, mm-hmm. f- a couple of weeks ago. I, I, I worked there for, for three short months uh, and uh, it was a very interesting turning point in my life because I was still hiding behind many masks, mm-hmm. and I would uh, introduce myself to people as Lu because uh, I just I just thought, okay, Ulu is like too complicated. Nobody knows how to say it, and like 
I guess I didn't want to be lumped into that like weird foreign guy category yeah. in their mind. So I just I'll keep it Lou. Like a sitcom character. Yeah. I'm, like, in, in hey, I'm Balky. I'm, yeah. And in hindsight, it's it's really, really embarrassing. But uh I remember adopting that name for myself. How it changed my perception of, of who I am. Mm-hmm. So I'm just just out of curiosity, when you developed the name person or came up with it and started going by it, has it changed you as a person? Well, I think my story is is a little bit the inverse of a lot of people's where I created a character and stepped into that and through that process felt like I became more my true self than I'd ever been before. I've always been a little bit of a weirdo who is into costumes and playing dress up and, mm-hmm. you know, be willing to, to have the, the eyes on me when I'm walking down the street, even if it was, you know, I just found a weird piece of clothing at the Goodwill. Are you a daredevil? Am I a daredevil? Um, I like pushing my own limits, but I definitely am not someone that like is easily goaded into things or like mm-hmm. feels that need to prove myself. I think that's kind of like the more daredevil people I've met have I've seen that. I think that that kind of speaks to um your your sense of security in your own self to be comfortable well enough where you, you don't have to prove anything to others because or I've also caused enough problems for myself by doing the, the things that I've pushed myself into yeah. that when somebody else is like, you should do this thing, I'm like, no, I'll do enough damage to myself. Thank you very gotcha. much. I, I have to ask you one one thing, which is really important because uh, um, let's. Uh, how are you, Devin? How are you? I'm good. Good. How are you? I'm good, too. I'm I'm today. I'm very chipper. I'm very energetic, but I've had a very long seven months. Yeah. And I'm really, really looking forward to my vacation uh, next week uh, to Turkey. I did like a stage thing uh, on Saturday. I did one of my coffee reading sessions uh-huh. in front of an audience. Oh, cool. It was my second time doing it um, in this fashion. And I was so close to canceling it because yeah. I was just like... Last week alone, I think I did somewhere between 100 to 120 readings in wow. one week. In 70 days. Or not 70 days. In seven days. How long does each one take you? Five to seven minutes. Because um, you do a group of four. Yeah. And is it like half an hour for the whole group? The, the part that takes longer is like the, the, the conversation. You know, people come and a lot of the people that book my coffee reading sessions do it through um, Airbnb experiences. Mm-hmm. So people coming in, you know, they don't just want the coffee reading. They also want the experience of, you know, showing up to a stranger's apartment in New York City. Because a lot of these are, did I say they're tourists? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can say tourists. Uh, so, you know, it's about, I have to create an atmosphere in which they feel completely comfortable. So that by the time we get to the uh, communal reading, mm-hmm. they're totally at ease. They feel comfortable with the rest of the members in the in the group. Yeah. Um, and that's what takes time. That's where a lot of my energy gets spent. If I could just open up a cafe where like just I could do five minute fortune reads, just boom, 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 like McDonald's style. Mm-hmm. Oof. My life would be so much. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to say my life would be easier, but it, it would make. I think you'd miss the, the foreplay. I think that's an important part of it. It is. Foreplay is important. But gosh, when you're giving so much foreplay to so many people. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's uh, it it takes it takes uh, energy, you know. So I'm gonna I, I'm gonna do my best to bend you to some sort of narrative structure, but okay. you are an unlikable creep. That's where we left off. Oh yeah, okay, and that's right. 
you come to a realization about this? Was there a moment that you realized that the things that you were doing were not working and you wanted to change? Yeah. Um, it happened. I had two moments. The first moment happened in 2014 when I was working at City Winery. Mm-hmm. I fell. When in, you were Lou. When you were when I was Lou. Yeah. I fell insanely, insanely in love with uh, one of my coworkers. Um, in hindsight, it probably wasn't love, but it was a very severe form of crush. Um, there's actually a, even a word for it. I, I read books about it afterwards. It's called limerence. Look it up. Mm. Limerence. Yeah. It's, um, I would love to Google it. But anyways, the people who are listening, you can pause it and Google it. Yeah. That should have been our magic word. <laughs> limerence. Limerence. <laughs> ah, that's cool. And uh, and I'll, I'll tell you, man, she was uh, she was a person who had such a strong exterior but i could tell that also she had been pained a lot in her life and there was a way in which uh, in her attitude in her spirit the way that she wore her pain is like a badge of honor whereas me at that time i was so ashamed and so i guess uh, insecure about my shortcomings and so seeing this quality in her made me feel very very attracted and when it became very obvious to me that I haven't developed enough as a person to be in her level to create any bit of relationship, it made it put me in a like a very crazy um, headspace. Mm-hmm. Like I was just like, "What the fuck?" I'm 24, or at the time I think I was yeah 24. I'm in New York City. I I'm still lonely. I still can't make any friends. So um, I I, I kind of packed up everything and I went as far away. As I could get to or go to, which happened to be a little town called Van on the border of Turkey and Iran, left my phone, didn't tell anybody. And uh, and I just like I just hitchhiked for like eight days. Uh, at one point, I was even 40 miles north of Aleppo, which some of you guys might know is like the um, the recruiting grounds of a little group called ISIS. Mm hmm. So not the safest place in the in the world. And I probably wasn't in the best frame of mind but long story short and i I tell this story like to all the guests that come to my coffee reading sessions so i hope i'm not like um i'm trying to say it with passion even though like i've I've said this like a million times i know can you feel like can you dig me it's hard when you have the origin story where there's so many times that i get prompted at a party of like tell the story of how you became a wizard (laughs) and (laughs) i don't want to do that though because they haven't heard it and i don't want their experience to be me like that version uh, buh, 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 buh. here's like the like the brush off version but then also it is like sometimes i'm like in the middle of it i'm like ah this story yeah yeah but, you I, I know, know i think it's it's part of our legends it's part of it's part of our legends and i feel like it's up to us to learn to abbreviate it mm-hmm. as succinctly as possible to the point where we can say it but without feeling that um, weird grudge <laughs> yeah against ourselves for like why am i getting into this does that make sense yeah, absolutely so, so you're in Aleppo. I'm, I'm ISIS. <laughs> ISIS says no. You, we don't like you. Don't you talk too much. You're, you're a music snob. Get out of here. We'll find our own freedom fighters. We don't need you. <laughs> Pretty, yeah. Uh, it it was. I'll just say this. Every little town, every little village that uh, that I came to, people were coming up to me, literally by the dozens, asking me, you know, brother. Yeah. First off, 
what are you doing here? Because <laughs> I'm showing up with like my scotch and soda jacket. Like I'm yeah. very like Western. Like I'm not hiding the fact that, hey, yeah. I'm an American. You know, I yeah. even got the little flag that I'm wearing around. <laughs> uh, and uh, but it was every town I came to it was, brother, are you OK? Are you hungry? Do you need anything? Um, come over to Yenge's house. Let's, mm-hmm. let's cook you a meal. What's on your mind? And people were concerned about me. They were like, you shouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah. And it just made me think like, wow, you know, if I were like back in New York City and maybe just a couple of weeks prior to me taking that trip, I was somewhere on Christopher Street in West Village crying my eyes out in the middle of the street. And like maybe like six or seven people walk past and just like like I'm a, as though I'm a ghost. Oh, yeah. Um. Didn't say anything. Didn't even look. Maybe out of respect. Who knows? And these people that I don't know are coming up to me by the dozen, inviting me into their homes, inviting me for for a meal, inviting me for comfort and friendship. Um, And long story short, when I came back to um, New York City after this uh, life-affirming trip, um, I wanted to do something really similar. Which was that uh, at that time there were um, I was really into Mark Maron's WTF podcast. Mm-hmm. You, you, you've listened to it, right? I, I'm yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I binge on that podcast for like an entire year, especially during those travels. I mean, that was like when I listened to those conversations, I felt as though I was in that room with those guys, and it, it didn't matter who he was talking to. I didn't care if he was talking to Robin Williams or some <laughs> no-name comedian. I just loved the fact that he was able to create these moments of intimacy in his conversation, that tone, you know? And around that time, Humans in New York was really popular too. Right. So I was like, maybe there's a way to combine the two, you know? Like, have strangers instead of, like, celebrities, like, come over to my house. So um, so I started developing the idea, and uh, and three months later, I moved out of my, um, uh, uh, my Bed-Stuy apartment to, uh, to the East Village. Um, I also want to give a shout out, shout out to Mike Wilbur, who is the saxophone player of Moon Hooch, great band. He, he, it was his room that I was staying in for four months during that time period when I was coming up with Murmur and all these ideas. So uh, thank you, Mike, for providing me that space. Um, and yeah, and then I moved to the East Village and um, I started posting street flyers with just an open invitation saying, hey, it's like a picture of your face, right? It had this like weird, uh, like black and white, totally vague photo of me. Yeah. And and all it just said was, how are you? No, really. How are you? And it goes on to say, hey, whether you're homeless, whether you're an artist, whether you're a doctor, dentist, doesn't matter. Everyone's welcome in my apartment for an hour long conversation. And uh, that's how the podcast murmur started. So they, it was like, come walk yourself to my apartment. Like, here's, Pretty much. here's where to go. I'll buzz you in. Come on up and we'll we'll chit chat. People would text me saying, hey, I just saw your flyer. I want to come on your show. And I would say, here's the address. Um, I'll see you in five minutes. What was the first person that showed up? Um, it was interesting because I moved into the apartment specifically to do this project, right? Yeah. And I was, I didn't even know how I was going to get the guests. Like, I didn't even have the flyer ideas yet. So I would literally like just like scavenge around the neighborhood until I found someone. Hey, kids, you want to be on a podcast? (laughs) I mean, you know how there are those moments throughout the day when, let's say, you're you're at the grocery store, you're waiting in line, 
and suddenly you and the person standing next to you, you just like strike uh, eyes. Yeah. You feel that connection. You just create a natural conversation. So I would wait for those natural moments to occur and then say, hey, I, I, I do this podcast where like I just started it, but it's like I talk to total strangers. Um, do you think that would be something you might be interested in? It worked some a few times. It, it didn't work. New Yorkers other. have a high barrier of like even that initial connection moment yeah. when they see you looking. They're like, "Let's what's the what catch? do you want? What uh, do you want to get out of this?" Like, yeah, abort, um, abort. And probably even in that time frame, I was just that right amount of, I I had just the right amount of naivete mm-hmm. to like do something like that. Yeah. And uh, and eventually, I uh, it was at Washington Square Park. There's this little church like place, and on the stoop. There was a guy, Meshach, um, and uh, he was drinking whiskey. And I sat next to him. It was uh, middle of December. It was cold. And we started talking. And I said, uh, hey, man, I, I just got this idea for a podcast. He didn't even know what a podcast was. I was like, yeah. I do like a radio show. I said, I said, internet radio. Yeah. I said, you want to come over? He's like, yeah, sure. So he was the first guest. And uh, and I still see him every now and then. The reason why the flyers see him on the street or like you yeah, make yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've he was supposed to come to Thanksgiving and Christmas uh, for my family's gathering but both times he uh, last minute th- something came up and he couldn't make it so maybe mm-hmm. hopefully this year Mishak you can yeah. make it for Thanksgiving or Christmas if you're listening um but yeah the fly flyer idea came like a few weeks later when have you ever seen the flyer of that guy looking for a girlfriend yes Dan Perino. Okay, yeah. So I'm going to drop some, like, secrets on you. Yeah. So I contacted Dan Perino. He was, like, maybe my third or fourth guest because I saw him through a flyer. He came on my show, and then afterwards he said, hey, kid, like, do you know much about computers? And I said, yeah, I do. Like, what do you need? He said, I need somebody to build me my website because I'm getting all this press and people don't know where to find me. So wait, let me just jump in with some context. So in New York, there are flyers that you see everywhere. There's one that's like for a guitar teacher. There's a few (laughs) others that are like really common. And this one has this random just guy and it's like looking for a girlfriend and it has some information about him. And then I think it has like the little like pull a number and call him up. So it's sincere I because it. The thing that's hard now is it's hard to tell what is actually somebody's weird flyer and what is some NYU art students yeah. like joke performance piece. Probably in the case of Dan, it's a little bit of both. Okay. Um, uh, but so after he came over, we made a barter, which was a, I built him a website. Yeah. And he in return posts flyers for me for an entire year. Right. Wow. He, he agreed to post like. 300 flyers for me a week wow strangely and he he was the one to suggest kid you have if you want to get guests you have to do this flyer thing it works and has he found a girlfriend from his flyers uh no okay Uh, so so it works but uh (laughs) (laughs) that's all i'm gonna say i'm gonna let the silence speak for itself okay Um, but yeah uh strangely it was dan who uh, kind of jump-started Murmur, the looking for a girlfriend guy. If it yeah. wasn't for him, for an entire year and a half, he was posting all of those Murmur street flyers. And I got, I met so many amazing people and then so many incredible people showed up to my apartment, like thanks to his um, um, idea. So I'm thankful to him. Yeah. As much as people want to make fun of him, he's the reason why I'm, I'm here doing what I love. So, yeah. And it's also just incredible, I think, 
the physicality of it. There's, you know, we're all trapped in these digital worlds, scrolling through Facebook on our phones, trying to quell that loneliness inside of us. But it's actually going out into the world and having something physical that creates this connection that you found to be, I think, more powerful. So powerful. You didn't do Google ads for come come to my apartment. No, 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 no. There was a there was a guy in the West Village who was very. Uh, he really did not like my flyers. I can't say that he sent me death threats, but it was like very very aggressive because uh, he didn't like my street flyers. Why? Uh, he thought that they were like uh, just littering the environment, and you know, I don't uh. even remember his reasons, but I'll never forget. He one time, his name was Chris, Chris something. He sent me such a scathing email, but then he took the email in English and sent it through Google Translate to Turkish. Yeah. And then include again saying at the bottom, just in case you missed any of the details, I also included the Turkish version of my. Wow. And this is before like there was any press about me. So the fact that like he even knew that my name was Turkish was yeah. kind of like a little freaky. But, um, yeah, not not everybody was a fan of my street flyers, but uh, but for me, I still think it's such a like an old school. It's in the sphere of that like old New York, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, absolutely, yeah. That um, be be the New York weirdo that you want to see in New York. Be the New York weirdo that you want to be and see in New York. I like yeah. that, yeah. So I imagine that you get this question all the time yeah. of like, what's the negative, you know, like how many scary experiences or weren't you worried about? Not at all, man. You know, the reason why I started doing the show was to pay homage to the strangers that saved my life while I was mm-hmm. overseas, that they didn't take advantage, that they didn't rob me, that they didn't kill me. So, um, so it was really, really important for me that whatever preconceived uh judgments i might have which i'm sorry i don't mean to like toot my own horn which i have very i feel i have very little of to begin yeah. with um maybe in high school not so much like if you like bad music i wouldn't talk to you but yeah. I, I definitely grew up since then um it was important for me to cast aside all judgment in sake of paying homage to those strangers because in a way i'm here because of them mm-hmm so whatever time that I have right now is just bonus. It's yeah. extra, you know? So what if if the guy coming to my apartment today is going to be the one to, like, shoot me? Right. Like, I had six extra months to live. Well, no, I, at least that's the weird way that, that you were thinking I, about I justified it. it in my head. Yeah. But I guess, you know, I think that's an older version of New York. People are like, someone's going to come and murder you with a screwdriver. Yeah, yeah. But, like... I know that when I've interacted with strangers sometimes, very rarely, but there's ones where, like, they'll just dominate the conversation or talk your ear off. How did you handle the people that were maybe not threatening but just annoying? I I didn't know, man. Um, When I first started the show, I was still so socially awkward. I could not make eye contact with people. Um, I was self-conscious about my front teeth because I had an accident when I was uh, a... eight years old uh-huh. and my cousin pushed me off the swing really hard and i flew in the air and my teeth skidded on the concrete uh, ground Ooh. so they had like i had like a huge chip tooth they had to like polish it oh are they fixed now they look great they're kind of fixed i mean it says i i had beautiful front teeth when Not i was true. a little boy uh they're gone now but so i was conscious about everything from my teeth to like not being able to like make eye contact so the people who come in, I was just nervous. Like something about 
even though it was a great idea, I didn't know how to execute it fully. Yeah. And it wasn't until maybe, gosh, man, like I said, I mean, I was always making like incremental uh, progress each passing episode, each passing year. But it wasn't until a year and a half ago that I just made like I just like, leveled up. I, I went from here. I went through. the Went room. Super Saiyan. Just I, I went Super Super Saiyan. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, and when that what, happened, what was the trigger? Um, I, I went through another period of depression. Um, isn't it funny how like the depression is the fertilizer that things grow out of? Like it sucks to go through it, but yeah, it really, it, I, good I, stuff I, is on the other side. I, I so believe it. Um, it's power, you know, it's, it's almost like, you know, when you think of Darth Vader, yeah. right? He became so powerful because he took all that dark energy, but but he he didn't know how to use it in the right way. You know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. But if you allow for yourself to immerse, be immersed in the void, take all of that, take all of that dark energy, and then bring it back into the light. Holy shit! That's like that's like your super saiyan moment. You know? That's the hero's journey. You got to go down into the underworld and come back yeah. up with the uh, the treasure that you've rescued. Dancing helped a lot, uh, and when my dad died, that was that was also a big, big uh, turning point for me. So it was it was a combination of a lot of things. Like the year that I got evicted from my apartment for my first uh, for doing the podcast because of doing the podcast because of doing the podcast, I had to move into this uh, uh, two bedroom for those of you who can't see i'm putting quotation marks with my fingers two bedroom because i converted uh converted the living room closet into the second bedroom and because i couldn't afford um the rent i was jobless for like five months so i was yeah. really really depressed because the girl who a girl who i had met on my podcast who had moved in with me from florida to the first studio to the first murmur studio um she uh she i guess there were she she cheated on me in a really weird way um that involved uh naked yoga i talked about this a lot anyways um so by the time i got to the second studio i'm jobless i'm sleeping inside of a closet like literally a closet because i'm renting out the bigger room uh and i'm only paying like 200 dollars a month uh, for rent um i'm depressed some other things are happening in my life and then uh and then suddenly I started getting into dancing and just as dancing started to like bolster my, uh, the way that I describe it is like dancing, open up my third eye mm. um, through contorting my body. Just going out, just like going out to dance and just be in public and dance or I mean, like I'm dance talking, lessons. No, not dance lessons. I mean, I'm like, I'm like a maniac. People yeah. would watch me and they're like, is this guy fucking insane? Oh, we got to go out, man. We got to tear the club up. Can I, uh, can I give you an example of like some of my anyways, I don't want to I don't want you to do any editing afterwards. Um yeah, like through moving my muscles in directions that I've never moved them before, it would open up new uh ideas in my head. Mm-hmm. It was really weird. Um and yeah, it was almost like talking to the god, talking to god every night. And then just as I start to get better, then my father died. And then 
I had no choice, you know, where like I had to take it to the next level. Like I was like, there's no way I'm going back down again. Yeah. There's only going up from here and out. So um, I tell people that the death of my dad was actually a big, big blessing. Uh, because after he died, um, I realized that the things that I was so down about in that time period, how, how frivolous uh, they were. Mm-hmm. Or maybe for other people going through them, it's not frivolous. But in the grand scheme of things, it's frivolous. My favorite person in the world just died. Yeah. I I also lost my mother a few years ago. And I I can absolutely relate to what you're saying. Where it's in no way like, oh, I'm so glad they're gone. But it is, I think, one, you have seen the end chapter of this person's life. And it kind of puts all things into perspective. So as my mom got sick and then passed away, suddenly I saw her as this complete person in a way that I never fully realized before. Like I'd always loved my mom, but now I was like, oh, this is who she was. And it just became such an inspiration. And then I think it also freed up some of my own energy in those same ways that you're talking about of like, what's important to me? What should I be doing now? I love that story that you told me. When you when you came to my apartment, uh, I met you two weeks ago, Devin. You came over, we had Turkish coffee, I mm-hmm. read your grinds, and then um, you told me the story about when you and your mom decided to do a yoga session together. Medita- guided meditation. In meditation. And this was shortly after, um, maybe a few months after it was announced that she was... Uh, after the diagnosis, yeah. After a diagnosis that, uh, that, she was, um, uh, that she had cancer, that she was going to die. Um and it was during that meditation you said that uh, there, you had this moment where um, you just started crying. You, yeah. Like you kind of broke down. And she had this like, be- you explained it so beautifully. She had this such a um, consoling way in which she talked to you mm-hmm. through it to say like, hey, I had a full life. Like I had a beautiful son like yourself yeah. and a uh, beautiful family. And, uh, and and somehow I think through the fortitude that she showed to you in that mm-hmm. moment, it also gave you back tremendous amount of strength. At least that's the version of the story that I remember. Well, the version of your story that I'm now going to tell is I I really appreciate what you said about you connected so much with your father right before he passed, and you had these great long conversations every day. Every day, your your FaceTiming two days before he died. Yeah, and that yeah. you really like when he died, you're like, wow, like this loss hurts, but. I have lived so much with my father in these last few months of just connecting that it's no. not, there's nothing that's lingering of like, oh no, I forgot to do this. It's like, nope, we talked about it. We did it. He passed on all this information. Yeah. He gave me the uh, the download. He totally gave me the download, man. And I downloaded the shit out of that. Yeah, download. you got that PDF on file. And now I'm uploading it right. for the masses. So... You're talking to people in your apartment. You're getting kicked out of apartments because landlords aren't happy that you're advertising. Yeah. Come to my apartment. Actually, this is very good news, guys. I want to make this announcement by saying that I just renewed my lease uh, for this current apartment, the Third Murmur Studio. So despite having, in this past year, I had maybe over twelve to 1,400 people wow. in my apartments, uh, both for the podcast and for the coffee readings. Uh, despite having these many people, uh, my landlord is still oblivious to what I'm doing, and I, can, I get to stay another year. So here's to uh, 1,500 more people for this upcoming year. Now, wh- that's amazing. Where, when did the coffee readings become a thing? Where did that? Can so, you tell me the backstory on that? Yeah. Um, so during that time period, uh, a year and a half ago, two years ago, 
when I was uh, evic- the first eviction, living inside a, a living room closet, going over through that breakup, uh, not having a job, um, I had to get out of New York. So I just I packed up my stuff. I went to Turkey to to see family because yeah. I during times of trouble, I always love to go back home. Mm-hmm. That's where I get uh, re-energized. And uh, and my dad had just moved to kind of a faraway town from Istanbul, uh, and so it's like six hours away. I went down there. I spent five days with him, and uh, and in those five days, um, uh, we started going to this. Uh, we started like road tripping. We went to this uh, really really nice uh, like village restaurant, village barbecue kind of a place where uh, we ordered coffee and uh, and. I can't tell if I asked him to read my grinds or if he suggested because he my my dad loved reading coffee. Ah, okay. So uh, is this a common thing in Turkey? Yeah, in Turkey, it's like it's something that almost everybody knows how to do, but yeah. it does change from person to person. Uh, What's well, inc- it's entirely subjective. It's like what totally it's like, subjective. It's like looking at clouds. Yeah, yeah. It's totally subjective. So can you just give it an over? So Turkish coffee, yeah. you get these nice dark grounds yeah, at the like bottom. Espresso style coffee. You flip the cup over. You flip the cup over, and then when you flip it back up, you have these uh, uh, grinds, the coffee grounds that formulate symbols. They like streak down the sides exactly, and then they create these abstract patterns, which you look at the way that kids would look up at the clouds and say that looks like a bunny that looks like uh you know what that's the example that i give to people it's yeah. like it's like cloud watching it's really really fun and it's very much meant to be an opportunity to relay words of positivity mm-hmm. encouragement and hope and i also want to underline this my my dad actually also proposed to my mom in a coffee reading wow so it's the reason why i'm alive you know yeah and so he ended up giving me a reading that i was lucky enough to record on my phone on video, mm-hmm. I ha- I still have my father's last fortune read that he gave me wow. on video, and the words that he spoke, the things that he said were uh, things that I was so desperate to hear, and it gave me such a boost of um, hope that I was like, whoa, I-, I have to implement these into my murmurs, into my podcasts. Yeah. So when I came back from New York, or when I came back from that trip... I start to do these coffee readings after each conversation. And eventually the coffee readings kind of became almost more popular than the than the podcast. So um, earlier this year, I finally quit my uh, bartending job that I was doing. And um, and I started doing these readings in group sessions. And uh, I I I do it a lot more than the podcast now, actually. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Because it's more popular off of Airbnb and more it's people. It's more popular. It. And this is actually a funny thing. Um, the, the format of the podcast actually kind of changed, too, because um, uh, so after my second apartment eviction, mm-hmm. I realized that posting street flyers was no longer the way to go because I didn't want to get um, you know, kicked out. Kicked out again, yeah. So during that, this is like maybe two years ago um so i started putting the podcast on airbnb experiences mm-hmm. just to get my guests through the online platform but the lowest price that you could put on there was a dollar yeah right so and even that like when i did that it hurt me so much i'm mm-hmm. like you know how dare i like put a price tag on this you know for something that the strangers like saved my life for not yeah. like charging money a dollar how could i do that like even that dollar like you know burnt my inner morals in my own self yeah. uh but guess what like lo and behold i got so many fucking bookings man um i started talking to like 10 people 15 people a week wow on certain days like yeah. i would have two to three guests yeah because the dollar was like you know it was really cheap yeah so i'm like okay well let me raise it up to five dollars 
Still shit ton of bookings. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 100, 150. And the podcast is now at the price of $295 and people still book it. New York tourists, man, they'll pay anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they'll pay anything. They'll pay. So, they'll pay that much to go on a boat that like goes past the Statue of yeah. Liberty and doesn't even stop. And, and you know, the way there's that, also a ferry that's free right next to it. It's amazing. The way that I justified is that like um, through doing the podcast for so many years, for like six years mm-hmm. or five years, over 800 guests. Yeah, right. It's almost become an experience in itself. It's not just a conversation. It's something. Um, I don't want to be pretentious, but for me, murmur is an exploration of our subconscious. And what I mean by that is I never ask questions uh, that you would like typically see on like uh, talk shows. Yeah. Everything is so in the moment that I'm all about um, extracting stories, extracting spontaneity that might be lurking in the back of your mind, but things that require us to go off script, right? And I have these techniques that I employ within the conversation to like bring out the subconscious to the forefront. So, you know, it's not so it's not just uh, two friends talking. It's like it's an experience. It's so almost like going to a fine dining restaurant experience. And I have it like like the way that we have it with the uh, exercises. Mm-hmm. You know, it puts you in that uh, headspace. You, you get into a zone. It's almost like there are these different courses. And then at the end, the dessert is the coffee and the fortune read. You know, uh, so you still do the coffee with the podcast people, yeah. For but, yeah, for, for the podcast, yeah, I, I give them a coffee reading as well, and some one on one. Yeah, look, if you're gonna pay me three hundred dollars, I, I I better give you. you a better, private. I better give you some coffee. <laughs> well, this is this is so fascinating, and we could talk for another million years, and I don't think we. Holy ever, shit! Our, is our hour up? Um, but so I wanted to I wanted to switch gears uh-huh. and get into the spell portion. Okay, so. All of the people that are listening at home and are fascinated by your story and by these coffee readings and these things and these techniques that you have for spelunking into the subconscious, what is the least that somebody can do to take this energy that you've tapped into and bring that into their own lives? To take the Ulich method of personal transformation through talking to strangers and implement that perhaps this week? Silence is such an important and uh, underutilized tool. Not only silence, but also your inflection. Being so aware of the words that are being emanated from your body to the point that every single thing that you say is coming from a deep source of truth. And allowing for the silences between the words to uh, put a greater emphasis on the emotions that you're trying to convey. That's what creates genuine connection. Beautiful. Yeah. So it's about what you don't say. It could be a smile. It could be a certain look. Like, look at you. Like, I'm looking at you in the eyes. Devin, you have this, like, glimmer on this eye right now. If I looked at that eye for more than six seconds, I'm going to start crying. So, you know... Exactly. Beautiful. Thank you, Ulich. Thank you, Devin. To learn more about Ulich's conversations and Turkish coffee readings, visit murmurtalk.com.
And for more of the conversational magic that is this podcast is a ritual, you can visit patreon.com slash this podcast is a ritual, where you can participate in this conversation through a donation of $4.20, helping us unlock more magic and bringing more strangers into the swirl of words, ideas, language, encounters, and experience that hopefully will transform your own answer to that same question of how are you? No, really. How are you? Mm-hmm.